Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Thank you, Ron, for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you, choir, for singing what he's done. Can we give another hand clap of praise to them and to our Lord and Savior this morning? Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure uh, that you do, would you take them out, please, and go to the first book in the New Testament, and that is the book of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6, as we are uh, continuing our series titled Overcomer, and in this series, which is based off of Romans 8:37, which says this, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so in this series, we've been looking at things that, uh, that, we, that we may struggle with or that we, may, that we may fight up against. And so far, we have looked at uh, overcoming uh, boredom. We've looked at uh, overcoming uh, bitterness. And we've looked at overcoming a broken a nation. And I will tell you this, no, I did not intend for everything to start with the letter B. That was unintentional. And so today we're going to uh, not start with the letter B, but today uh, I want us to look at overcoming worry. Overcoming worry. Now let's be honest with one another this morning. Has anybody in this room ever worried before? Yeah, once you point at your neighbor, say, I know you have. Yeah, it's, this is, uh, I think worry is, I think worry is the diet of the day. Uh, we all seem to worry. Um, whether you're a believer or you're a non-believer, worry, uh, again, it just seems to be the diet of the day. When I, when I began to study for this uh, sermon and, and this topic on worry, uh, the word worry uh, itself is used, depending upon the translation that you uh, read, um, I study from the New American Standard Version, uh, but the word worry is used 20 different times, 20 specific times in Scripture. One time in the Old Testament, Two times by the pen of Paul, and the other 17 times are spoken by Jesus himself. Jesus himself speaks on worry more than any of the authors of the entire uh, scriptures. Uh, when Jesus speaks about worry, he speaks to his disciples. We'll look at that here in a few minutes in Matthew chapter 6, but he tells the disciples, do not worry. You may remember the story of, of Mary and Martha. Do you remember the story uh, when Mary sat at Jesus' feet and, and Martha was, was worried about getting everything ready, getting things prepared? And what did Jesus say to Martha? Martha, 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 which led to the Brady Bunch, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. He said, Martha, why are you worried about so many things. Jesus says that, that, there are, that, he, that there are worries about tomorrow, that there are worries about the world, there's worries about life, but, but of the 17 times that Jesus talked about worry, eight of those were imperatives, meaning not suggestions, they were commands, and it was this command, do not worry. Eight different times Jesus, think about that, eight different times Jesus speaking to his followers, his disciples, he says, do not worry. Now, of all the commands in Scripture, I find that to be one of the most difficult. Would you agree with that? Like one of the commands, do not murder. Okay, I got that one. 
Um, you know, do not steal. Okay, when I was seven, I didn't realize that, but I get it now. But, but do not worry. I, I find that to be one of the most difficult commands to follow that Jesus has commanded us. Well, what does the word worry mean? Well, let me share with you two definitions of worry, and then we're going to dive into our text this morning. Uh, the root word for worry, which comes from our English word, which means, it means to choke. It means to strangle. Now, you know this by experience or by observing this in other people, that when you worry, doesn't it just strangle the life out of you? It just chokes life out of you. It chokes happiness out of you. When you worry, you cannot enjoy the moment that you're in because you're so concerned about something that may or may not happen in the future. And you, you, you worry and, it, and you struggle and it strangles the life out of you. The second definition for worry comes from the Greek word, which literally means it's a divided mind. When you and I worry, it means our mind is divided. It's, it's, that, it's that internal tug of war. Anybody ever had that happen before? You have that internal tug of war, and maybe it comes with a decision you have to make or, or something that's going on in your life, but, but you have this internal tug of war that's pulling at you, and you are divided, and it makes your life miserable. And if we're honest with ourselves, all of us can say amen to this because we've experienced it. You've known somebody who's experienced it, and we can say this, that worry, it, it is not good for the soul. Well, what does Jesus, what does Jesus say about this? What does the New Testament, what does God's Word say about worry? Well, look with me in Matthew chapter 6, and will you please stand with me this morning as we read Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 through 34. If your Bible has red letters, these are the red letters. These are the words spoken by Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Follow along with me, please. And Jesus says, For this reason, he's just talked to us about money. You cannot serve God and money. You can't be divided. That's what he's just talked about. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or to what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Just look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, nor gather into barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And if who of you, being worried, can add a single hour to your life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Yet I, Jesus, say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothes himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or, or what will we wear for clothing? 
For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you for standing. You may have a seat. Worry. Anxiety. I want you to write this down. God is very clear in what he thinks about worry. God does not whisper when it comes to worry. He's very clear and he speaks loudly. In our text this morning, you may have noticed this, but but three different times, Jesus specifically said this phrase, do not worry. Uh, if you read the King James Version, I believe the King James Version says, take no thought. Uh, I like that phrase. Take no thought. Don't worry. Uh, the Apostle Paul later on in the book of Philippians, Philippians 4 uh, verse 6 says this, do not be anxious. Another word for worry. Do not worry about anything. Well, when you look at that phrase, do not worry, you look at what Paul says about do not be anxious about anything, is there any wiggle room when it comes to worry? Is there any exception to worry? Is there any exemption to worry? Is there any circumstance in your life, good, bad, indifferent, is there any circumstance in your life which God says, you know what, since that happened to you, it's okay, go ahead and worry. There is no circumstance under the sun which God says you can worry. Not one. Well, Pastor, what, what, what if I lose my job? God says, don't worry. Well, what if our government, what if the president wants to codify killing babies? What does God's word say? I scared you with that one, didn't I? I went there, didn't I? What does God's word say? Okay, I'm going to ask that question one more time. And this time, I want you to say, we're not to worry. What does God's word say about that? Don't worry. Yesterday, uh, my family and I, we were eating dinner on our back porch and um, had a great dinner. And then I started watching um, the, the clip of, of, of our president saying that he wanted to codify, uh, which put into law the killing of the unborn. And my family will testify to this. I started screaming at the phone. I started talking back. Because you know why? It made me angry. It makes me angry that our government wants to put abortion clinics on federal land. That makes me angry. And yet we have to go to the Supreme Court to have prayer in schools or in public venues, I have a problem with that. Does that mean that I hate people? No. Does it mean that I, I hate our government and I'm going to uh, badmouth them? No, it doesn't mean that. It means I disagree with them. And I disagree with them because God's word disagrees with that thought. 
But here's what God's word says about those things. Don't worry about it. That's hard. That's really, really hard. Because like you, I I play the what if game. What if this is codified? What if we, we, what, what if it's, we say it's okay to kill those? What if it's okay to murder and we want to promote that? I begin to play the what if game. I think about our students and I, you start to play that what if game and, and you lose the what if game. And God's word says the solution to that is do not worry. Well, those are really tough words but it comes straight from Scripture. And when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, there are three specific things that that I see that Jesus says to us as believers. Now, remember, when Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, the red letters, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to disciples. He's speaking to followers of Christ. If you're a non-believer here today, these words do not apply to you, but I want them to apply to you. I want them to apply to you because Jesus is the Savior of the world. Because Jesus is the hope of the nation. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus and Jesus is alone, alone is the one who can save all of humanity. But you must put your faith, your hope, and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and what he did when he broke through the tomb. And if you're a non-believer here today, I desperately I beg you, I plead with you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus says here, it applies to believers. And what Jesus says to believers is this, when it comes to worry, you need to be different than the world. When it comes to worry, you need to be completely different. Ecclesia, the church, y'all, the church is called an ecclesia. The term ecclesia means to be called out from. It means to be called out of a community, to be called out, to be different from what you are being called out of. It's to be different. And when it comes to worry, we as a church, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be different. Why? Because Jesus calls us to be different. And Jesus gives us three reasons why we need not worry. Are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all worried what I'm about to say? Don't be. Number one, here's what Jesus says. Verses 25 through 26, Jesus says this. Don't worry because worry, it will weigh you down. Amen? Worry will weigh you down. When you look at verses 25 and 26, what we see in these two verses is this. Jesus tells his believers that all creation trusts God. He says the birds don't even sow. They don't even reap, but but God feeds them. And so God says to his followers, listen, those who follow, listen, all creation trusts me except mankind. All creation trusts me to take care of them. And and he says at the last of verse 26, he says, are you not much more than they talking about the birds? What Jesus is saying is that humanity, male and female, created in the image of God, they are infinitely more uh, 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 glorious than animals, especially cats. 
Amen? Praise God, yes. Listen, I love animals, except that three-letter word. We, I love animals. Animals are great. We're to treat animals well. Don't abuse them. Take care of them. Feed them. You be kind and gentle with animals. That's scripture. But they are not more important than humanity. They're not. I'm not against organizations that, that rescue animals. That's not what I'm referencing there. What, what I'm referencing is we cannot put anything above mankind because mankind is God's glorious creation. It's his most glorious creation. You go to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, when God created everything, he says, it is good. But when he came to mankind, what did he say? It is very good. Humanity created in God's image. Animals are not made in God's image, but mankind, male and female, God created them. And God says this, all creation trusts God except mankind. But then he says, how much more will I take care of you than I do the birds of the air? Do you, do you see that? What is God saying? God says, I will take care of you. God says, I just want you to trust me. Listen, folks, you and I, we weren't born to worry. You and I, when we're created in the image of God, we're not created to worry. Because God never worries. That's why when you make a mistake, when you sin, God is not wringing his hands in worry over the stupidity that you and I did. He doesn't worry about that. And so you and I created in the image of God, God does not worry. So when we were created, you and I are not created to worry. You are not a born worrier. And some husbands will say, well, you may not know my wife. Well, listen, you are not born to worry. I, I, I believe this. I believe that worry is a learned response. I believe it's a learned response. I believe children learn how to worry because they see moms and dads worry. Moms and dads worry because they see their moms and dads worry. You see your friends worry. You see other people worry. And, and it's a learned response that where you go, well, you know what? If, if other people worry, then maybe I need to worry. And then, you know, then really just maybe, just maybe God will not take care of my situation. Just maybe he won't. And when you, when you make that leap, when you say, I don't know if God will, have you ever thought that before? Every single one of us has. I don't think he will, or, or I, 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 I know that he can, but I don't know if he'll do it for me. When you make that mental leap, you jump into worry, and you say, God, I don't trust you. And the second you say, God, I don't think you can trust you, I don't think I can trust you, here's what happens. The weight of the world falls on your shoulders. Amen? Because worry weighs you down. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says this. An anxious heart or anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Isn't that right? 
It just weighs you down. But the good news is this. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says this. But a heart at peace gives life to the body. Meaning you can worry and it can weigh you down or you can choose to have a life of peace which gives life to your body. And so Jesus, very quickly, in the Sermon on the Mount, and remember, the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus beginning his earthly ministry. This is one of the very first things that he says to his disciples. He says, hey, guys, don't worry. Because when you worry, life will weigh you down. And when you and I do not believe in God's providential care, we begin to worry. And God, in our text, has says this, through his son Jesus, it says this, How much more will God take care of you than the birds? He's saying, you trust me. You trust me in any situation. Well, here's number two. Not only does does worry weigh you down, number two, worry does not work. Look at verse 27. Worry does not work. Jesus said this, and who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? What Jesus is saying here is this, worry is, is useless. It doesn't work. Worry adds no value to your life. Listen, worrying cannot make you taller. Trust me. I mean, my dreams of being in the NBA when I was a young kid, I would practice stretching uh, exercises to grow taller. Didn't work. Worry won't make you taller. Worry will not make you shorter, praise God. It won't make you uh, skinnier. It won't make you fatter. It won't make you... It won't make you live one day longer, but, but I know this about worry. It can't do those things, but here's what I do know it can do to you, and it can do to me. Worry can shorten your life. It cannot add value to your life. Worry adds no value. It's, it's useless. But it can take away. It can take away your life. It can shorten your life. I had a, a pastor of mine at Central Baptist Church in Warner Robins, uh, dear friends of Angela and mine. They were a brother, Sidney Odom. You remember Sidney Odom, Angela? Sidney and Cloma Odom. They were um, elderly at the time that we had gotten to that church, but they just took us underneath their wing. And, and brother Sidney Odom would always say this about worry. He said this, worrying is stewing without doing. I like that. And then he'd go on to say this. He said, it's like sitting in a rocking chair, a lot of motion with no progress. I think, isn't that pretty good? That's what worry is. It is rocking back and forth, but you're going nowhere. And so Jesus says, it's, it's useless. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you. Turn over to Mark chapter 4. Go in your Bibles. Turn over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. Listen to what Jesus says. This is, Jesus is given the parable of the sower and the seed. If y'all remember that, when the sower sows seeds and it falls onto certain types of ground and certain type of ground are receptive to the seed. And now, verses 18 and 19, he begins to explain the parable. Look with me in verse 18. And it says this, Jesus says, And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. You remember that story? 
The sower, he casts seed, some of it falls onto some thorny uh, thorns. And he says this, these are the ones who've heard the word. The seed is the word. And really the road represents the life of somebody. Verse 19, but the worries of the world, there's our word of the day, worries. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for, uh, desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes what? Unfruitful. So what you see, Jesus says this, you worry, it can add no hour to your life. It then chokes the word of God out of your life and it leads to a life that is unfruitful. How many of you want to sign up for worry? This is what worry does. It adds zero value to your life and will actually lead you to an unfruitful life. And in the book of John, Jesus says as he prays to the Heavenly Father about us, about believers, he says, I pray that they would bear much fruit. Listen, listen, if you want to bear much fruit in your life, moms and dads, you have a great opportunity to show this and to uh, be, uh, show your sons and your daughters how to do this. If you want to bear much fruit in your life, then don't worry. Moms and dads, you have a great opportunity to be an example to your sons and daughters when bad things happen, you show them how not to worry. Now, does that mean that we don't care? No, we're not talking about not caring. We're just talking about not letting it consume us. Because worry consumes us. So Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that, that worry weighs us down. He says that it doesn't work. And then here's number three. Number three, Jesus says this in verse number 30. He says this, worry will wreck your faith. It will wreck your faith. Y'all still with me this morning? It will wreck your faith. Look at verse number 30. Jesus says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? And what's that last phrase? You of little faith. Notice he doesn't say no faith. He's not saying you no faith. What he's saying is little faith. I want you to write this down. Uh, as I was praying, and, and this is kind of a phrase that, or a sentence that came to me um, as I was preparing for this message. Worry is a characteristic trait of a believer who has little faith. If you worry, and if, that is, if that's your M.O. is worry, then that is a characteristic trait that shows others that you have little faith. Now, I don't don't know about you guys. I I do not want to be described as somebody who has little faith. Are you with me? I don't want little faith. I don't want little faith. I want big faith. I want faith that can move mountains. I want faith that can look at a mountain and say, mountain, you move and you go into the sea and that mountain moves. I mean, that's the faith that I want. That's what the faith Jesus wants in you. He wants that in us. He says, if you you have little faith and it's a great possibility that you are worrying and you're not trusting Jesus for everything in your life. I don't want to be a church that has little faith. 
I don't want our church to be a church that just focuses on Brunswick. I want to be a church that focuses on all the world because we have the greatest message in the world. I don't want little faith. I don't want you to have little faith. But Jesus says that if you worry, it will wreck your faith. Now, if I'm a non-believer, if I'm a non-believer and I'm looking at the world today, and I'm seeing how crazy our world is, and, and listen, all of us in this room who are believers, we know what God's word says. It ain't getting any better, amen? It ain't. And we understand that. But if I'm a non-believer, can I tell you what I would be doing with my life? I'd be worried. I would be so worried that I'd want somebody to change something. And unfortunately, they look at politics, and that's just the way of the world it is right now. But listen, if I, if I had no contact with God through his son, Jesus Christ, I mean, I'd have every reason to say, my goodness, this world is has lost its mind. But as I said earlier, we as believers, we are different. We do not have to worry because we know this from our text, from what Jesus says. He has said this, I promise to take care of your every single need. Your every single need. Your financial need, your relational need, your emotional need. Whatever need, God's word says, I'm here for you, and I will take care of your needs. And here's what that means. When God says, I will take care of your needs, here's what we do as believers in Jesus Christ. We say, okay, God, I trust you, and we begin to walk in faith. We walk in faith, believing what God said is going to happen. I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to walk in faith, and so be it. Listen, the Bible teaches us as believers that we are to believe and to live out, listen, listen, listen closely, we are to live out a faith that works. Not faith and works, but faith that works. You and I, if we're going to experience the life of Christ, as he explains in the Sermon on the Mount, it must be experienced in and by and through faith. It's not a life that's lived by emotions. It's not a life that's lived by our intellect. It's not a life that's lived by, by just going here and fro. No, a life of a believer is to be lived by faith. Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you do not have faith, you cannot please God. So if that's true, and if worry is a sign of little faith, if we worry, it becomes very difficult to please God. Amen? Because that which is not done by faith, the Bible says it is called a three-letter word. What is that? Sin. We must walk by faith. We must walk by faith. We must trust God to do what he said he's going to do. And when you and I worry, here's what in essence we do. When we worry, we in turn are really playing God, saying, God, I will take care of it because obviously you're not paying attention to my situation. You really don't know what's going on in my life, so I'm going to take control. That's truly what worry is. Yet Jesus says on eight different times, he says, do 
not worry. Well, let's stop there for just a second. And everybody says, thank you, Jesus. Let's take a breather for a second. At this moment, I want you to think about your greatest worry. If you have a pen or paper, I want you to write down what your greatest worry is. If you want to put it on your phone, write it down. I want you to write down what your greatest worry is. If your greatest worry is that person sitting next to you, just draw an arrow. God knows. God knows. God knows. Just cover it up. Don't let them see it, you know. Just, just think about your greatest worry. And I, I've got one. Well, what, what's, your, what's your greatest worry? We've talked about what Jesus says about worry. We get it. We understand it. We've identified our own worry. Now, how do we overcome that? That's what we really want to know, right? How do we overcome this? I got this issue. How do we overcome this? Well, listen to me close for the next 75 minutes. I just want to give you three Three blessings that I don't want you to miss, okay? I want you to stay with me. We're going to go through this fairly quickly, okay? Three blessings. Don't miss this on how you and I can overcome worry through Christ Jesus. Number one, number one, seek God first in every area of your life. Seek God first in, area, in every area of your life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, which many of you have memorized uh, before when he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, that worry that you have, all these things will be taken care of and will be added to you. Looking at verse 33, there's two words that I want you to look at very, very closely. Number one, look at the word seek. That word seek, it's the Greek word zeteo, and here's what it means, okay, listen, it means to give undivided attention. It means to make something a priority. It means to deliberately pursue after something, and in our text, it is a present imperative. What in the world does present imperative mean? It means this, this is not a suggestion, Jesus isn't suggesting to you, oh, well, just go seek me if you want. This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment, and Jesus is describing a believer's number one priority in their life. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you stepped across the line of faith, you said, you know, you know Jesus, uh, you, you've called me. I believe what you did on the cross. I believe what you did when you rose from the grave. I understand what you did when you ascended into heaven. I understand that you're going to come back. I understand that you have taken my sins off of me. You put them on yourself, and then you put your righteousness on me. I get all of that. I believe that. And then Jesus says, if you get that and you follow me, here's your number one priority. You follow me with everything. Everything you have, you follow me. You seek me. That's your number one priority. It's not your job. Listen, it's not your family. Jesus says, you follow me with everything that you've got. That's your number one priority. When you become a believer in Christ Jesus, you say, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to seek you with everything that I have, no matter the circumstances in my life. We sing this morning about the goodness of God. Listen, God is good in every single thing that happens in our lives. Everything. And because of his goodness, we want to seek him. And the second word I want you to notice in verse 33 is the word first. 
You seek him first, which means this. This is your most dominant concern. You as a believer in Christ, you seek hard after Christ. That's your number one responsibility. There's an old hymn um, that, that I remember singing growing up. I haven't sung this song in a really, really long time. Ron, it's called Higher Ground. Do you remember that song? Higher Ground. How many of you remember that song? Seven of you. Fantastic. Here. It's a great old song from the hymn that says, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I pray till heaven I've found, Lord, you plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found, Lord, you plant my feet on higher ground. You seek him with all of your heart. You seek him, and here's what you'll find with worry, it goes away. So number one, how do you overcome worry? You seek God, you seek Christ with every ounce of your body. Here's number two, you stay in the moment. You stay in the moment. Jesus said in verse 34, he said this, don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I I will tell you this, that um, since March 10th of this year, Um, uh, verse 34 um, has been a calling card in my life. Um, Don't don't worry about tomorrow. Don't don't, don't go there. Um, As Angela and I, uh, as we sat with multiple doctors and walking through our our prognosis um, and just wanting to hear some good news and then, then not hearing that news and you hear this news over and over again, and we sit there, but here's one thing that every doctor said, whether they, I don't know if they're believers or not, I don't know, but they gave biblical advice, and they gave the words of Jesus. They said, don't worry about tomorrow. All you have is today. You, you can't focus on tomorrow. So many of us, we get focused on tomorrow that we lose today. Moms and dads, your sons and your daughters will be gone off to college pretty soon. Praise God. But we can't worry about that because all we have is what? Today we pour into them. Can't worry about tomorrow. We can't worry about tomorrow. It's okay to plan, but we don't worry. We stay in the moment. What did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day tomorrow's bread. It's not what he said. Give us this day our stay in the moment. Listen, I I don't know everything that you're going through. God does. I don't know what need you have tomorrow or the next day. I don't know. But all I know is this, that Jesus says, you don't worry about tomorrow. You stay focused on me right now. 
one of the doctors at MD Anderson gave some great words. He was sitting, you know, several feet away from us. And uh, he, uh, he looked at me straight in the eye. And he said these words. He said, he said, Chris, before you had cancer, you had a purpose in life. Now that you have cancer, you have that same purpose in life. Stay in the moment and seek God with everything. Number three, don't panic, but pray. Don't panic, but pray. Paul, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, be anxious, do not worry about anything. But in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with, what's that next word? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, what surpasses or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, instead of worry, pray. And listen, if something isn't worth praying about, it ain't worth worrying about. Amen? You pray. And when you pray, you pray with thanksgiving. Well, Pastor, how can you pray with thanksgiving in a situation like yours? It's a good question. It's a really, really good question. But it goes, it goes something like this, where I say, Dear God, I, I, I trust you. Uh, I don't understand. Um, I, I accept your call on my life. And I say, God, thank you for being with me. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for strengthening me. Thank you for seeing me through. Does that mean that I'm jumping up and down with thankfulness? Ugh. Maybe, maybe not. But it's just simple. You just turn it back to you, say back to God. You thank him for always being there. You thank him in prosperity, you thank him when you have nothing because he's always been there and he always will be. And then you know this, and this is what you hold on to. This world, listen, this world, it ain't all that. There's something better to come. It's so much better than what we have here. See, a lost and dying world thinks this is all that we have. And a lost and dying world wants to change the world to make it utopia on this, on this side of heaven. It ain't coming. A secular worldview believes it's coming on this side of eternity. It ain't coming. It's on the other side. And that gives us hope. We may suffer for a little while, but for eternity, it's going to be good. So you don't panic. You pray. Let me close with this. One of my favorite stories in, uh, in the Old Testament comes from the story of, of Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel. Second Chronicles chapter 20 
the nation Israel surrounded by three armies. Uh, armies are huge and they're going to wipe out Israel. Jehoshaphat obviously worried. But Jehoshaphat does what we just talked about. He doesn't panic. He prays. He says, oh God, what do I do? And one of the prophets of the day goes to the Lord, intercedes, and the prophet comes back and he gives to Jehoshaphat and to Israel, he gives them these words. He says this. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, all Judea and all of Israel, or Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of this vast army. Don't look at them. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Why? For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. You don't worry. It's not your battle. It's not your battle. It's God's. So why don't you give him everything? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. And Father, I thank you for your word that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to penetrate deep within each one of us. And Father, we confess to you and I confess to you that so many times worry just infiltrates my mind and my body and we get overwhelmed. But Father, your word says we are more than conquerors through you who loved us. And so, Father, we come before you today and we want to lay down our worries, lay them down at the cross, and we say we trust you because you know what we need, but you said if we seek you first, you'll take care of everything. So today, Father, we commit to following you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.